This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And today I'm delighted to welcome Acme United CEO Walter Johnson back onto the OPI Talk podcast. Good morning, Walter. Good morning. Great to see you and thanks for doing this interview. Now, we're speaking the day after you published your Q4 22 and full year results. Um, when we spoke last in, in July of 2022, so not that long ago, I mean, there'd already been some, some challenges uh, during the year, notably with things like the supply chain. It didn't look like things got any easier in the second half from a business perspective, did it? Well, the um, real problems that happened starting in February of last year and then getting worse with the uh, war in the Ukraine and then the COVID port closures and then the supply problems at the ports, which were overwhelmed, that was really the first um, through about August, from about February until August. Um, But because we turn our inventory twice a year and those costs, which were extreme, um, were part of the uh, cost of the um, the stock. Um, as we then sold the products in the second half of the year, uh, we were recognizing expenses from the first half. And um, it did get easier. Uh, around September, the uh, ports started to get less congested and the cost of bringing a container, um, either from uh, Shanghai to um, New York, or um, the East Coast, or, or or LA, or frankly to uh, Rotterdam, it had dropped substantially, and um, so that was um, a relief because we were at unsustainable levels. Yeah, and I guess about the same time, then you saw major customers destocking their inventory levels, which was another headwind for you. Well, that's right. In the uh, second half of the year, in the first half. We had uh, very strong um, Westcott um, uh, sales, as an example, and that was because of many of our customers in the office products area buying earlier um, than they historically did. And then in the back half, um, they were, uh, as the supply chain issues, in my view, started to get uh, uh, less critical, the uh, vendors started to release more inventory and and buy less from uh, customers. Mm. from suppliers. Right. Then, of course, we had that extremely high inflationary environment. What did what did that mean to, to Acme, and how did you deal with that? Oh, it continues, although I think we're making progress. But it was very, very difficult. In, in, just picture our European business, where the euro went from 116 to about parity with the dollar in weeks. Uh, we buy in uh, our transactions in Asia are in U.S. dollars, and and that was a margin crusher in uh, in Europe, and it happened so quickly. You would just, and then of course we had bills to pay, and the bills that we paid were in dollars, and <laughs> so it wasn't just margin. We had write downs of our currency, and um, I uh, I think we're in a much more stable place today. Yeah. Yeah. 
a lot of stuff you just mentioned there, which is not in your control. So how would you assess your performance in light of those external factors? I think we did average. I think we could have done better. Um, it was hard because we didn't know demand and what we wanted to do was maintain adequate stocks no matter what for our customers. And we tried to keep our price increases reasonable uh, in light of the the um, the problems that were going on. Obviously, with a loss in the fourth quarter, it's pretty evident that we didn't keep up with the, uh, uh, the, the costs that, in fact, we incurred. But I think we gave our customers timely delivery at a fair price. And ultimately, that's an investment in the future. Yeah, yeah. So are you glad to see the back of 2022? Oh, I was so glad to see 2022 done. It just every single day, there seemed to be more crises and challenges. We had one vessel coming in from Baltimore in uh, the U.S. that got stuck in the mud for six months, uh, for six <laughs> weeks. And I mean, how do you how do you plan for that? But in the meantime, our customers needed product, and it's sitting in the mud. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess even over the past th- three years, what one thing that a lot of companies have learned to deal with is is the unexpected uh, with COVID and everything else that that happened after that, and the supply chain. I mean, that that ship getting stuck in the mud is another great example, but. Yeah, I guess, I guess flexibility and being able to to move quickly are, are just becoming more and more important traits of any business, aren't they? I think that's that's right. And, you know, to be honest, you wish you could pass through more cost increases than you're able to. But, for example, with the freight, I think we were, unfortunately, it happened so fast uh, that we we didn't pass those cost increases through, but I'm glad we didn't because now we're on the other side and um, the the customer is getting a better value for uh, the money than if we had done otherwise. Yeah, are customers appreciative of that? Well, I don't know that uh, many customers thank you for um, not doing a price increase um, or doing a more moderate one than your actual costs, but. Um, our end user eventually has a, a demand profile and we're, the goal is to give them good value. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we've heard about these problems in, in, in retail with the, with the destocking, which you, you, we just referred to. What, what about the, the B2B commercial office supplies channel? How did that perform last year? Well, that worked uh, pretty well. I mean, we our, our margin pressures were across the board because the products that we brought in from Asia uh, had supply issues, whether it was for commercial or retail. But um, I thought the demand was uh, more consistent and and, and it was good. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking at looking at some positive things. I mean, it was a record year again for for your for the top line, wasn't it? I think you said the 13th consecutive year of, of record top line there's some some capacity expansion in Canada which seems to be look, looking quite an interesting market certainly in that first first aid category well we um, 13 years of record growth in a row in sales is um, uh, something I'm pretty proud of and, and we're continuing a pace that we hope 
makes that occur this year as well. Um, and there are space constraints in many parts of our business. You might picture a lobster, um, which fills its shell and every part of its body is filling that part of its shell. And that's where we are. Um, so we do have um, some capacity constraints and later this year we'll probably be adding more capacity um, to produce in the U.S. Um, and we, as a, you pointed out, we doubled our capacity in uh, Canada for production um, last year, um, at the end of last year. So that's a piece of it, but where we're going, I hope, is going to require a lot more capacity mm. in the next couple of years. And I think that's exciting. Okay. Europe had some very good local currency growth. What was that down to? Yeah, well, our, in, in local currency, the uh, European business uh, grew nicely. Um, after you adjusted for uh, the decline in the euro against the dollar um, for U U.S. accounting, it um, grew, I think, a couple of percent, uh, but it would have been much more in, um, in euro. Um, our uh, European business has been doing well, and I give that a lot of credit to um, our team who are truly hustling. And um, also, we bought a, um, a small company uh, the end of the beginning of uh, 2022 that um, also helped. Yeah, you, you called that out in in the earnings call yesterday. Umix, I, I think it's called, which is I think has gone somewhat under the radar. I certainly didn't didn't know about about, about that. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that acquisition? Yes, uh, Umix uh, is a, uh, a writing instruments company. Um, that um, the owner was retiring, and um, so we took on uh, the, the the stock and um, a key um, uh, team, and um, then integrated into the our company. It was a very good acquisition for us um, for, on several fronts. First, we added um, customers that would buy the entire Westcott product line and some of our first aid products that we didn't have before, um, and second. Um, we were able to um, take the products from Umix, bring them into both a, a private brand as well as um, a Westcott format and effectively begin selling them successfully. Um, at the uh, recent Ambiente show, we saw quite a lot of demand for the, um, the Westcott uh, writing instruments and, um, and also for the private brand um, there was um, several large customers that were making inquiries. Okay, so these are products destined for the European market. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Any any plans to introduce Westcott writing products into the North American market? Not at this time. I mean, I I think the North American market is um, quite competitive, as it is in Europe. But there was an opportunity um, in Europe with a, an existing brand and customers. Um, and so um, we took advantage of that opportunity. But we'll see um, if there were demand um, in either Canada or um, in the U.S. with some of our customers. I think we'd evaluate that. Yeah. What, what was your overall impression of the Ambienti show? It's the first time that uh, for the Office Products channel, at least it's been held in, in that format now that Paper World has been abandoned. Well, I enjoyed the show. Uh, it was... Um, uh, a broader show. It was a full consumer product show as opposed to office products and uh, some of the other specialties that were 
in previous years under Paper World. But um, because it was a broader show, we had buyers from uh, a pretty diverse group of uh, companies. Uh, and so I think it broadened our uh, potential uh, customer base. We also saw um, many of our international customers that we don't see as frequently, um, for example, from Turkey and from Romania and, and places that, mm. while they're important, they haven't been the major focus for our European business. And um, that was refreshing and, um, and fun. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunities that came from those meetings that, frankly, we wouldn't have had if we hadn't been there. Okay, that's encouraging. So are you doing a bit more traveling now? I'm thinking certainly of China, I don't know, with the recent announcements of some easing of restrictions there. Have you been been back over there recently? Well, I personally haven't been, although I hope to go to China this year, uh, probably in the summer. But um, our team uh, in China has been fully functional throughout COVID. And um, our um, Hong Kong office was recently... Um, at many of our um, factories uh, in China. And that was terrific because for a long time they weren't able to um, uh, go across. Um, I also spent some time with some of our suppliers from China at Ambiante in Germany. And um, that was um, excellent. It was so good to see them. Okay, good. Talking of China and the supply chain, when you look ahead for the rest of the year, do you, th do you think it will be back to normal, if I can put it that way? I think that um, there's some strains between China and um, the Western world that will need to need some time to heal. But I think that uh, on a commerce level, um, you know, the factory owners um, and the, uh, the people we work with are very important to us and, and the relationships are, are long and, and in my view, quite collaborative. Uh, and I think that will continue. Um, relative to uh, the supply chain, I think that uh, the, those issues are pretty much behind us. I think that uh, container costs will start to um, uh, increase as uh, demand picks up again um, from retailers that perhaps aren't buying so much right now. But I don't think it's going to be the kinds of problems we had um, last year. Mm. What's happening in terms of product input costs? Are they easing or declining or not moving? Well, you, we continue to have um, increases in wages everywhere, whether it's our Chinese team, our factories, um, workers, um, the input for many of the raw materials that are being processed continue to be increasing in cost. Um, so it's really the freight that's been a, a, a big um, mm. uh, positive in that the price has dropped. Interest rates, of course, are for us are triple what they were a year ago. Um, and um, so there's still a, a, an inflationary pressure. I hope that uh, the central banks are able to break that um, without crashing the world economy. But... Um, we clearly are still in excessive inflation levels. It's just not where it was a year ago. Okay. So are we likely to see more price increases necessary in 23? 
Well, I think that's um, going to be consistent with inflation. And uh, yes, I, I think mm -hmm. I, I know I just see it everywhere right now, whether it's the price of a boat slip or it's the price of repairs. It just um, is inflation practically mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And so I think that uh, those costs will also get passed through. Okay. A any positive expectations for, for this coming year? Well, for our company, um, I'm very, very um, confident and excited about um, the prospects. Uh, I think last year was a very, very challenging one, as we pointed out, um, and we still were able to grow 7%. And if we can continue that top-line growth, and we have in initiated about a $5 million cost reduction program um, company-wide, which is implemented and we're 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 seeing the results um and if we don't have the four million of uh freight costs which we never passed on to customers but if that goes away it changes our whole um profitability still have high interest rates we still have inflation we still have many issues but that plus some growth um, would give you a very good year yeah would you expect north america to to perform more strongly that than Europe, given the given the geopolitical situation in Europe, I think Europe's going to do very well for us, um, and I think the uh, the U.S. will as well. But um, Europe was profitable last year, uh, and the U.S. wasn't. Uh, okay. Well, in the fourth quarter, the U.S. wasn't. Um, but Europe was profitable for our throughout the entire year. And um, I I think that um, it will have a good year and I think Humix will add to that. And frankly, some of the uh, the new safety products that are being introduced into Europe are getting um, interest. So I think Europe will do very well. I think in the US, um, we'll have a record year. Okay, good. Now from, from the call yesterday, it sounded like you might have some acquisitions in the pipeline for the back half of the year. Is that correct? Yeah, I think um, depending on um, what the economy's like and where we are um, as a company, um, I think that would be a, an appropriate timing. What we've been doing in the past um, six months has been systems work, integration of acquisitions into um, our organization. Um, you know, for example, with the Umix acquisition. All of the parts um, had to be uh, changed into uh, different branding, and um, and some of them were re resourced. And uh, you know that's the kind of work that you don't see, but it's behind the scenes mm -hmm. and it's important. So we didn't just buy Umix; we bought uh, Safety Made, which was in the personalization business, and then we bought a company called um, Ready for Kits, which was also in the personalization business, and we merged the two. So there's a lot of behind-the-scenes integration that eventually squeezes cost out um, and also hopefully gives you a growth uh, propellant. Mm. But um, that's what we're working on now. And, and back half of the year, I think uh, we'll be in a position to to take on something else. Okay. Sounds like it might be in the, the first aid category from, from what I heard yesterday. I hadn't realized that was uh, roughly 50% of your, your total revenue is now from the first aid category. Yeah, well, it's 55% uh, in 2022, up from 50%. And um, the, the Westcott business is an excellent business. And, you know, it benefits from people cutting and, open, cope, cutting and opening packages and craft and paper and offices and uh, 
so it's, it grows organically and um, we have a commanding market share. It's a great business. Um, and we may find some acquisitions there as well, um, as we did with Umix in, in Europe. Mm. But the first aid side has the opportunity to vertically integrate into the many of the components that go into the kits. Um, so for example, when we bought MedNap in 2020, that gave us the ability to make alcohol wipes, alcohol prep pads, Castile soap uh, products, and that um, then can go into uh, the refills on the first aid, and that's an annuity. So that's a, an attractive area as well to to explore, and and we are. Yeah, no, it's been a great diversification story for you over the over the past few years. I think you've done done really well with that. It, it yeah. has been. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Walter, I will let you get on with your busy day. Thank you for talking to me and all the best for the rest of 2023 and hope we hope we get a chance to catch up in person sometime oh andy thanks very much and um i um thank you for the opportunity to uh share what we're doing my pleasure thanks walter take care bye if you have got this far then thank you for listening to this episode of opi talk Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.